Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. Are you excited for the holidays, Asher? I am excited. I'm ready to cozy up with the fam, ready for some restful, peaceful reflection. But are you excited for what comes before that? I'm really setting you up to hit me with the air horns, and I was expecting them to come earlier. Thank you very much. It's time for the Coliseum of Christmas. Christmas Coliseum! Christmas time! It's the finale. Everybody, if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, you are not a true fan, but... We want to be as forgiving as possible. The last, I think it's been three, maybe four weeks, we've gone over the Coliseum of Christmas and narrowed it down to who the final two remaining alive characters of this season would be. And so today we're giving you a bonus Christmas episode where all we are talking about is this finale. We are going to dive a little deep into each of these characters and see who's doing what, who's going to win, who's going to break a jaw today. We'll see. Who is the ultimate champion? of Christmas. There can only be one winner of Christmas. One person can leave this Christmas Coliseum. And there's only one way to find out, and that is a battle to the death. Which is only decided by our own logic and reasoning. So today we, uh, over the last couple weeks, we've narrowed it down to a final two. And today each of us will be presenting a small argument for our character. And the final two are Mrs. Claus and Martin Short as the Jack as Jack Frost in the Santa Claus 3. This is a no holds barred, everything on the table, nothing restricted. All is fair. Okay, so it's really important to... that we get a little bit into the origins of our characters and we can really get a better understanding of who they are and we can understand the stakes. So do you want to go first or do you want me to? I would actually like you to go first because Mrs. Claus is really a woman of mystery. So I'll dive right in. That's actually part of the reason she is so interesting to me and I think to so many people. Obviously, she's been around for about as long as Santa has, but the mysterious enigma of her character hasn't been described for very long. The first time she appears referenced in anything is in A Christmas Story in 1849, a mere 169 nice years ago. However, the modern celebration of Christmas dates back to starting around the middle of the 5th century, and I think it's safe to say that the clauses have been actively judging the people of Earth since at least then. Yeah. There are two really major reasons I think she has the strength to knock the teeth out of everybody else in this competition. The first is that she's been the one taking care of this household for years, and we've talked about this a lot um, because I think we, we don't criticize santa's laziness as much as we should sure he does a lot one night of the year but everybody can work hard for 24 hours yeah imagine a couple of of those five hour energies you can get something done imagine the kind of smug attitude he carries he's the most famous entrepreneur in the world so of course he shouldn't be working in march for christmas sake look out tim ferris four hour work week More like 12-hour work year. And so she has to work hard and take care of it the whole rest of the year, making her probably pretty kind of buck-wild strong. Thinking about, like, how much more work. She's probably putting in at least 40-hour weeks at wherever she works, like the front desk of a library or something the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, she's the backbone of the whole structure, essentially. 
Well, you have the kid that's like, well, how is it possible that they make all those gifts? And, and uh, you know, the doubting kid about Santa. Mrs. Claus yeah, is sure. how it's possible. She's the one running the entire operation. The skeptic child. Yeah, she's the answer. But yeah, she's the answer. And imagine, like, Santa's got to pay rent. Santa's got to pay, like, an electricity bill. Does and he? I bet, I bet he does. And I bet the heat up there in the North Pole is not cheap. <laughs> I mean, it's also very poorly insulated. And I, I just imagine that she's got to do quite a bit of work. And the second reason she's gotten she's nothing to trifle with involves her proficiency with with weapons. We talked about this a little bit last episode, but she's been involved with the Christmas process for centuries now. A process that involves a lot, but I believe the thing that we all think about the most, the thing that's talked about in movies and TV shows and the documentary, the Will, the uh, Will Ferrell documentary Elf, is um, the development and testing of toys. And my thinking here is that if you're categorizing toys into weapons and non-weapons, I think that weapons are probably the toys of children who perform poorly and don't end up getting their toys more often than other toys. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's why I explain why there's such a surplus of those around the North Pole, because they never get delivered. And so I think that... The reasoning here is that she's got experience with a lot of different kinds of weapons, but if you look back over history, nunchucks have been around for a long, long time. And originally they weren't even used as weapons, but as soon as kids got the idea that these could be used as weapons, they're going to be super good. And I think she's the kind of gal that's going to get really, really used to them. And yeah, I, I mean, putting, I think, putting a chain between two sticks doesn't really seem like it would have the longest development cycle. So I feel like those have been around for a while. And I doubt, like I'm sure, because they, they keep updating all little things to make them a little bit better. Like jump ropes aren't the same as they used to be, for example. Right. But I think with nunchucks, they probably got them pretty close to right the first time. Yeah, I mean, they, and they so, could have a motion-sensitive lights. Maybe they uh, and I think, cut some holes and they whistle when you move them around, but uh, not too much else you can do. And I think it's important to note as well that the New York Times, two days before we recorded the episode we're recording right now, the New York Times published a piece about how New Yorkers just gained a constitutional right to nunchucks. <laughs> and so I thought that was fun. They just got that? Just got that. Apparently, New York state lawmakers criminalized the weapon in 1974. But the reason I have so much faith that she would be using such a smaller weapon like this is I went in and created a Dungeons and Dragons character for her. Excellent. Um, and I believe that uh, Mrs. Santa Claus is a human rogue uh, with a strength of eight, but a very high dexterity of 15. Damn. What's the ceiling on that for people who don't play D&D? &D? What's as high as you can expect to get? The highest you can expect to get is typically around a 20, but at a level one character like this, a 15 makes sense. And her proficiencies in weapons from the generator I used came with um, a dagger and a short sword. And that honestly, right. that's pretty close to a nunchuck. And her, her super intense skills are perception, acrobatics, and stealth. And so I believe that this gal is a fast, nunchuck-wielding badass. And so that is why I believe that she has what it takes to take down Martin Short. 
Okay, we can speak specifically to Martin Short as he depicts Jack Frost in Santa Claus 3, or Jack Frost as the anime husbando in Rise of the Guardians, or the 1979 classic that you've never seen, Jack Frost, or of course there is a Jack Frost B-horror movies, or the Jack Frost that's starring Michael Keaton that is the true horror movie with the animate snowman that's absolutely nothing but nightmare fuel. But all these different depictions of Jack Frost are dramatically different. Either he's Martin Short, or he's an adorable fairy cherub boy like in the animated film, or he's the the hunky teen in Rise of the Guardian. You, you get a sense that they're not really pulling from the same reference. It's so all over the place. It's just character with ice powers is kind of the only unifying thing we're seeing there. And this is because Jack Frost isn't really a character from folklore or mythology, like a lot of other of the Christmas characters we've come to know and love. He's actually more of a turn of phrase, it turns out. Like in the song that talks about Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Jack Frost was kind of just like the embodiment of winter whimsy and nippiness. So there's, there's, a, there's like Father Winter, who is a much more hostile, brutal, kills your crops... Maybe, maybe you survive to, to see springtime. Jack Frost originally was used to explain to kids where the fern patterns of ice come from that form on windows. So this homie is basically just winter. He's just kind of, but, but the whimsical side of winter. He's usually depicted as the positive. So you have the beautiful snowflakes nipping at your toes, nipping at your nose, the icicles that form on your car, not not woodland creatures starving to death and crops dying. You know what I'm saying? So there's there wasn't there has been an attempt to kind of figure out where it originated from other than a figure of speech. One theory was that it came from Jakul Frosty, which is a Norse deity, but the problem is, even though it sounds really similar to Jack Frost, and Jakul is ice icicle, and Frosty is frost, obviously. Those are actually two different characters. Jakula and Frosty were sons of the Norse wind god Kari. So it actually has no clear connection whatsoever to the European folklore character that's actually just a figure of speech, Jack Frost. So Jack Frost actually a lot more conceptual and abstract than I was expecting. Okay. But here's where it gets down to the fight because you have these various depictions and some of them like the Jack Frost horror movie, he's got big sharp fangs, but in the closest thing that I have to the facts and origin about Jack Frost, he doesn't really do much. He doesn't really have the, the ice powers that we had assumed. It's really more like he's the guy who gives you a runny nose and makes your cheeks all tingly. Huh. So, what are his proficiencies in battle? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see why we clinged on to the Martin Short depiction, because we can't really just have Mrs. Claus versus a concept, like the concept of chilliness. Because I think, especially with Mrs. Claus, because I think she spends so much of her year, probably all of her year, at the North Pole, 
which I imagine is quite chilly. Yeah, no, she's got tolerance, that's for sure. What is uh what is Martin Short capable of in in Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause? Cuz I'm sure as I sure as hell didn't watch that movie for research. I also sure as hell have never seen it. Even though ABC Family is desperate to cram that down my throat every chance they can get every single winter cuz it is always on. <laughs> Wikipedia calls it an American Christmas fantasy comedy adventure film, <laughs> which is a a shoe in for a bad idea. Uh, so you can't have the I- list of genres be longer than the title of the film, and which is already too long. I think the title of the film might actually be longer somehow. It is the third and final film in the Santa Claus film series following the Santa Claus and the Santa Claus 2. I don't feel like that part was necessary. The epic trilogy concludes. Um, so let me see. In this movie, Martin Short's Jack Frost is a trickster. Yeah, that, that seems to be the way that he's most commonly seen is kind of a villain, but more of like a, an impish trickster. Yeah. Not really evil. So are we thinking Mrs. Claus wins this? <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I'm trying to make things interesting, but I'm just not seeing anything for him. It, it's it's so, I don't really know what he's got. I mean, let's do, let's envision. Let's cast our uh, let's. You know, we're, I, we're all I, gambling on our fantasy league. What are we expecting the I, outcome to be? Go ahead. Can I describe what I thought he was? Yeah, of course. Because I certainly thought he was kind of like this big wizard who in the field of battle would like ice climbers style throw frosty spray and freeze his enemies. Maybe like like I imagined the uh, Frozone essentially yeah. from The Incredibles and I imagined him being able to weaponize and move pretty pretty well whereas it seems kind of like this guy's kind of just sneaky yeah i mean we're jumping over to wikipedia we have jack frost just as the personification of frost ice snow sleet winter freezing cold a variant of old man winter although not as sinister more just a trickster so okay we're gonna we're gonna extrapolate on that and say yeah he does have the ability to throw icicles and snow and other elemental attacks but so, but that's really it. I can't dig up anything else that he's capable of that would give him an advantage in combat. So I think even with all of these abilities that we are trying to add on to him, I think that Mrs. Claus takes the cake here. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can try to describe the carnage in detail if we'd want. But I think that in a... In a in a Colosseum style battle like this, it's not going to be as easy as it would outside of this to trick somebody. To sure. sneak around. Sure, this guy still has the ability to attack from a distance. He's got some magical Frozone style powers. Yeah, but there are no surprise attacks. She knows he's coming. And she is also, if she had, if she was a Pokemon with weaknesses, one of those weaknesses would certainly not be ice or cold. She, ha- she would be 
pretty strong to that kind of attack. And so I imagine that she could pretty smoothly get close to him, especially with her speed traits. Yeah. And kind of kick the shit out of him with her nunchucks. <laughs> I don't really see it happening any other way. This is a woman who is prepared. And you think she's not going to be wearing a scarf? You think she can't handle a little nipping at her nose? As frustrating it as, as it is to be so overwhelmingly one-sided like this, if we're giving Jack Frost magical powers to make him a more interesting character, the balance of that would be that it wouldn't be that crazy for Mrs. Claus to also have magical powers. Yeah. And I don't know what that looks like, but I think even without magical powers, she's going to break his bones with those nunchucks. Yeah. If he even has bones. Because I thought when I did the research, I would, I would find out about this powerful Norse deity and that Mrs. Claus wouldn't stand a chance just to find out that he is a figure of speech. So it's essentially this sturdy, immortal, well-prepared rogue versus just like the phrase, all's well that ends well. Just kind of like the concept of cold. And she has lived in the cold for thousands of years. And if you think that's going to bother her anyway, then you're wrong. Because the cold never bothered her anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was getting at. So do you have any final arguments for this, or do you think Mrs. Claus takes it? Because I have one last one, but I think it should be the last one. Listen, man, this is in debate class. I'm not getting a, a better grade for sticking up for my boy. I think this dude gets bodied. So since we're in agreement that this this fella gets stomped, I think the one final thing that shows he he ain't tough shit or anything is that I'm looking through this Wikipedia article for Jack Frost, and it one of the sections close to the bottom is a list of video games he's been featured in. <laughs> yeah. One of the video games is Scribble Knots Unlimited. <laughs> Mrs. Claus ain't losing to nobody who's in Scribble Knots Unlimited. And if that doesn't put you in the Christmas spirit, I don't know what will. So you spend all good... year you spend all year worrying about staying on Santa's nice list. Well, you better hope you're not getting on Mrs. Claus' naughty list. If you like your kneecaps right where they are. Because uh, Santa will leave you coal and Mrs. Claus will kick your teeth in. Mrs. Claus will leave you broken. Tune in next week when we talk about Mrs. Claus. Is Krampus? Next week, I discuss my brand new phobia, Mrs. Claus entering my house on Christmas Eve. Well, do we want to wrap up? Let's wrap it up, man. Well, uh, do you want to do our music? Remember, we didn't do Threadbare. Well, this is a special short episode, but we still use the Hit the Snopes jingle. Also good for the Christmassy vibes that we're shooting for in this episode. That was by Connor Voigt, so thanks to him for that. And if you want to follow us uh, on any of our social media, we've got a Twitter at S Confident Show and an Instagram at Strictly Confidential Show. And if you want to shoot us any emails, strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com. We're just trying to end off the year with a nice little Christmas note. And I've hope I've hope you enjoyed our 2018 that we've been doing. Yeah, we just yeah. wanted to end off the year this little treat for you. Didn't want to have a week without any content, but we'll be back on our regular schedule soon. And if you would like to be a part of that and be on the show, we'd like to interview you. Just let us know. Um, yeah. Uh, this season, this holiday season, with everybody doing all this traveling, 
make sure to recommend Strictly Confidential to all of your friends who are on the move, who are going. And if you're driving with your family, which I know I am, pop that on the on the old stereo. Relax and listen to some old-fashioned Strictly Confidential. The ultimate surprise of this episode was learning that we are prepared enough to record this show in advance. I know that becomes that comes as a shock to most of our listeners. And a lot of you will be surprised that we edit it, too. <laughs> so until next time, I've been Asher. I've been Jackson. You've been listening to Strictly Confidential special holiday episode. And until bow, next bow, bow, time, bow. stay frosty.